My wonderful friends, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. And where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, the South Australia Regional Coordinator for Faith FM. And if you like to make a comment or have your questions answered, you can text me on 0401-304-077 or email me at ioncrita at yahoo.com. That's I-O-N-C-R-E-T-A at yahoo.com. Our theme for the week is the Bible and end time events. And our big questions, how can we find rest for the soul? What is the symbol of the sun? We just dealt with that the other day. And who is the Antichrist? This is a big question to answer today. And the final superpower. But uh, today I would like to introduce uh, our co-host uh, and uh, is David Butcher. David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia and it's good to have you with you again, David. Good afternoon, Nick, and uh, good afternoon, listeners. Look, time is flying so quickly. I said uh, the other day to Joseph and the week goes by so quick and you come back again. And yeah, I really enjoy it. Thank you for having me. Uh, hey David, um, it's very important to look in the Bible today and to deal with a subject which is quite intriguing, you know. Um, the Antichrist, it's a big subject. And people are, uh, you know, looking into this and making movies and all sorts of stuff. What do you understand when we say Antichrist? Yeah, good question, Nick. As you say, it is a topic and, and a and a phrase that attracts so much um, interest, a bit like 666, um, all of these sorts of things. Um, look, eh, over the, the millennia, it has had many interpretations. Uh, a number of people initially thought, and, and some still believe, that the Antichrist was Nero because he persecuted the Christians way back in the first century. Um, Muslims um, believe in a, a false Christ type individual who will come uh, late in the end of time. Uh, Nostradamus, he had um, predictions. He predicted there would be three antichrists. And uh, many of his followers believe that the first one was Napoleon and the second one was Hitler. And uh, the last one was a, a character with a mystical name named Mabus. Uh, who was yet to come. So there has been countless um, occurrences of speculation throughout history. Um, is it a political figure that will come at the end of time? Um, is it an individual? Is the Antichrist an evil alliance? Um, is it something that's going to play out right at the end of time? A and I guess, Nick, um, the word Antichrist appears only four times in Scripture, and in each of those occurrences, it um, is in the letters of John, John the Disciple, so First and Second John. And, and Nick, maybe if I can just read two of those verses. Sure, David. Um, I guess the first one I want to read, and this will give us a little bit of an insight, is First um, John chapter 2. 
uh, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Mm. So John is saying that um, Antichrists are going to come, and not just one, but several. Uh, Another one, 1 John 2.22 says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. And of course, then you've got 2 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 7, mm-hmm. which says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Um, so... Four times it occurs, the word antichrist literally means someone who is against or who opposes Christ. Mm-hmm. And if they're against Christ and they oppose Christ, they actually want to replace Christ. The ultimate antichrist, of course, was Lucifer, Satan. Mm-hmm. He was against Christ. He opposed Christ. And, um, yeah, I guess it reminds me of uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Uh, And those verses say this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, listen to this, Mm. you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Notice the words, I will. I will ascend into heaven again, I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will again ascend above the heights of the clouds and we get those two words I will again repeated yet again when uh, Isaiah says I will be like the most high mm. Isaiah fourteen twelve to 14 so here you have a picture of Lucifer who I will I will be like the most high I will sit where he sits uh, I will be above all of that so he was against and wanting to replace Christ so he is the ultimate antichrist mm-hmm. but as The Bible writer John says um, that anyone who denies Christ or who opposes Christ is an antichrist. And, of course, the scriptures uh, depict uh, an antichrist in Bible prophecy uh, near the end of time that will oppose Jesus Christ and seek to take his place. Mm. That's interesting what you're just saying, that because uh, as we are going to look into the Bible more, um, many people will say, but uh, some of the characteristics which will uh, depict, you know, the Antichrist of the uh, end time uh, may say uh, we are preaching Christ. But interesting enough that even Satan in the end time, he will took um, on the image of Jesus, if you like. Now, they oppose the teachings of the Bible and Jesus Christ, but they will still use Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so critical uh, to walk by faith and not by sight, not by appearances, not by deeds or acts, but to stay true and focused on the Word of God, the Scriptures. Uh, If they deny the Scriptures, then they are an antichrist. And we are going to throw a question right now, David. What is the name of the Antichrist that would arise after the time of the early church? And we have a passage in Second Thessalonians. Um, if you like to just take us through that passage, David. Yes, so this is um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 are key verses, but maybe if we just read verse 3. Um, and this is the author Paul. And to give a little bit of context, Nick, um, 
Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians in Thessalonica and there was talk going around that the second coming had already occurred. And you can imagine um, the dismay that some Christians may have felt if they believed that, that um, here they were waiting for Christ to come back and some believers were saying it had already happened. So Paul writes to them to allay uh, their concerns. And so this is what he says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. Now that day refers to the second coming. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Mm. So, so Nick, I think what you're saying here is that throughout Scripture there are various names that are given to the Antichrist. Uh, a bit like you and I, we probably have nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to say what mine is on air either. But uh, there are various names referred to this um, power that would seek to take the place of Christ. Mm. And then uh, in Second uh, Thessalonians, as you just mentioned, about... Uh, um, saying this, you know, now brethren concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken. Yes. You know, because that's interesting, not to be shaken in the mind or troubled, either by the spirit or by the word of the letter, uh, as if from us. Paul is making sure this one, because there will be false teachers you know, yeah, and, and exactly like you've just said, Nick, those false teachers will come from within the church, mm-hmm. and the antichrist, someone who tries to take the place of Christ um, and claims to be a Christ, clearly is going to be professing Christian values and ideals. Mm. And also uh, another thing, uh, David, to look into. It's important. Um, it, it's interesting to note that Antichrist of the prophecy would arise from within the church. Yes. Most people think the Antichrist will be a secular political leader, um, you know, but the Bible is clear. Uh, the Antichrist will come from the world of religion. I heard about, you know, um, all sorts of talks about uh, certain men in history, as you just mentioned yeah. at the beginning. You know, Nostradamus taught, uh, you know, three characters, you know, uh, he depicted, which uh, people, obviously, when you look at Hitler mm. in his time, you may say he's Antichrist on earth. Yes, but that's not what the Bible teaches about the Antichrist. No, absolutely. And, I mean, people have looked at various United States presidents and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, powerful men that have uh, sort of suggested they're the Antichrist. This is another um, quotation here from Tertullian. Yeah, okay, yes. Uh, this is interesting to note. For the mystery of iniquity, both already work. Only he who know uh, to now hinders must hinder until he be taken out of the way. What obstacle is there but the Roman state, the falling away of which by being scattered into ten kingdoms shall introduce Antichrist upon its own ruins. This is a hint here. Uh, um, somebody in, you know, in that time when Rome was still in power, Mm. The pagan Rome still in power, and still that Roman uh, power needs to fall away. And very relevant um, quote that, considering what we're talking about this afternoon and also tomorrow. Mm. Um, there are various names given, as we've said, to the Antichrist. Um, as we said, the word Antichrist appears four times. Uh, man of sin, 
son of perdition, man of lawlessness, little horn, and beast are all various terms throughout um, some of the the prophetic books. Um, obviously, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, uh, John in his epistle, but also particularly um, in the book of Daniel, we mm. come across these terms. And we are going to look into Daniel chapter 7 uh, in a moment, uh, just to, to find some of the characteristics of, um, of the Antichrist, even though, as I said, the name Antichrist is mentioned in, uh, in the letter of John. Yes. But we'll find here some uh, characteristics about uh, this um, uh, yeah, character. Okay, let's look into this and throw another question. What did Daniel see coming up from a wind-swept sea? Yeah, look, good question, Nick. So, so we're, we're moving now to the book of Daniel. And maybe if we just sort of um, give some context again, uh, the book of Daniel is, is a book, um, particularly the last half of the book, and even the first uh, chapter two, deal with events, broad span of human history, salvation history, if you like, and kingdoms and powers and how they would work against God's people. But the book of Daniel is the only specific book of the Bible that Jesus recommended would help to give us an understanding of the future. So the book of Daniel is the only book that Jesus recommended that would give us an understanding of the future. And in Matthew four, uh, 24 verse 15, Matthew 24 verse 15, Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Mm. So Jesus believed Daniel was a historical figure. Jesus saw there was validity and importance in studying the book of Daniel to understand the prophecies that are dealing with the future, mm -hmm. which is where we're headed now. And let's look in, uh, in Daniel to see some of the language of uh, these passages in Daniel. Can you please take us through the first, uh, first passage there? Yeah, so Daniel chapter 7, uh, verses 2 and 3. Uh, Daniel is in vision, okay? He's in vision. And this is what um, uh, we find in verse 2 and 3. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. So that's verses 2 and 3. Mm. Yep. Go, Nick. I was just going to say here, we identified a few things here in, in the language, like wind, sea. Uh, now, we dealt with some of the um, uh, topics uh, before we mentioned briefly this, and we are going to even look a little bit more into... Uh, what that means? Uh, what do you? What can you bring up from this passage? The symbolism. Yeah, and, and often when we're looking at the symbolism in Scripture, we can get answers in Scripture itself. We, you know, this Scripture interprets itself largely. And so when Daniel has this vision and he sees that there are four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea. Uh, this is a prophecy. It's a lot of symbolism, as you've said. And winds in Bible prophecy uh, tend to depict strife, destruction, and war. Mm -hmm. And I guess we see the destruction that winds and hurricanes make in our day, don't we? Yeah. So it shouldn't surprise us that winds in Bible prophecy represent strife, destruction, and war. And the book of Jeremiah, chapter 49, verses 35 and 36, it says there, Against Elam I will bring the four winds, I will bring disaster upon them. My fierce anger, says the Lord, and I will send a sword after them until I've consumed them. So 
winds represent um, destruction, strife, and war. Mm. And you know, people are uh, exciting about these things in the Bible, and they make even movies. And they, they, have you heard about a book called The Winds of War? No, you know, I haven't no, actually. See, that, that's a book written about Herman Vogue, uh, I think that's the name, and this has been turned into a movie. You know, even those people who are not familiar with the language of the Bible, mm. they still associate this the winds of war, as you just mentioned, war, destruction, strife, strife all those things. Now, we mentioned about the sea. Also, what that means. So again, Scripture interprets itself. So these four winds are being stirred up, and um, um, they're stirring up the great sea. Now, um, when we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, verse 15, we get an indication. Again, it's a prophetic um, chapter. Again, it's got symbolism. And Revelation 17, verse 15 says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So we've got this war, great strife, destruction. It's happening in areas where there are a great number of people. And even in our own day, you know, our own language, we say a sea of people. You know, we use that terminology. Yeah, you look over Hello a sporting yeah. um, theater and, and field and a great sea of people. Absolutely. All right. Then we come to a beast. Yeah, so, so beasts represent kingdoms, powers, and authorities. And, and the book of Daniel, the very same chapter, gives us the answer to what the, the explanation I've just given. Verse 17 of chapter 7 of Daniel says, Those great beasts, now remember there was four that he saw, those great beasts, which are four, are four kings. Mm. So the beasts represent kings, kingdoms, or powers, or authorities. Beautiful. And um, we even, uh, in our uh, days again, we can identify some powers by some of the symbols. Yeah. If I'm, if I'll say, uh, where are you from, David? You'll say from Australia, yes? I'll say from Australia. Okay. Well, what's Australia represented by? Yeah. So I guess two animals that are on the coat of arms is a kangaroo and an emu. Um, so, so it's, I think what you're trying to say, Nick, um, Countries are represented by animals. When you go to the Olympics, you know, there are often various animals. I guess New Zealand is represented by the Kiwi. Yes. America has the, is a bald eagle. Yes. Um, so the Bible is using um, animals and creatures that people would have been familiar with in their day. So the Bible isn't running off on its own. Uh, it's using things that we're familiar with, uh, kingdoms that are represented by animals. And in Daniel 7, uh, we find that our... Uh, great uh, nations or political powers, all different from one another, raising up from populated areas of the world where there has been a history of war and destruction. And uh, by comparing the prophecy of Daniel 2, which we looked a bit earlier in our mm. uh, program, uh, the great image which Nebuchadnezzar uh, dreamed of, the king of Babylon, with the prophecy of Daniel 7 now, it is evident that Daniel is seeing the same succession of world empires. And this is the beautiful thing with, with biblical prophecy. It's repeating itself, but it's expanding upon it. So Daniel 2 gives us an image, a statue with four different metals representing four different kingdoms. Daniel 7 gives us those same kingdoms, but this time they're represented as wild animals. Mm -hmm. uh, and he expands in Daniel 7 upon what is in Daniel 2. 
Let's look in Daniel 7, chapter 4, um, and uh, identify some of the uh, beasts here. So four beasts, as we know. Daniel 7, verse 4 says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. So again, I mean, who's ever seen an, a lion with wings, let alone eagle's wings? It's a mm. symbol. Yes. A- and I guess a lion is a symbol for a very powerful, a king of the animals, if you like. Um, symbol of great power. Now, who's, who's the power symbolized by the lion in, in, in the Bible? Well, when we go to Daniel chapter 2, the head of gold of that image, um, we are told there represented King Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. It represents Babylon. Uh, and the Babylonian Empire reigned from 605 BC through to 539 BC. And um, Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 43 to 44, represents um, God tells Jeremiah. Jeremiah, that Babylon will come against Jerusalem like a lion. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the lion was a creature, an animal, that was um, uh, the Babylonians themselves depicted. Um, if you go to the Pergamon Museum in Germany, in Berlin, uh, they have... Um, uh, carried over the tiles and, and the, the bricks, some of the bricks, from the processional way, which was in the city Babylon that um, Nebuchadnezzar built. And there depicted in the walls are the original tiles of lions. So the lion was an animal um, known to be associated with Babylon, just like a kangaroo is with Australia. Mm. All right, moving on to the next one, David. The time is going fast and we want to cover uh, as much as we can um, today, even though uh, this program, second part, will be tomorrow. Don't miss this one tomorrow. From uh, well, tom- Tomorrow explains everything, doesn't it? It puts it all together. <laughs> we will put it together. But now we give a good, uh, you know, we open it up a little bit. Uh, looking at the um, second uh, beast, uh, uh, David. Okay, so this second beast, Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 5, and suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side, and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. So we know, comparing Daniel 2, that this power, this kingdom, represents Medo-Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire. And that was something significant there also of... um having three ribs in its mouth and also raising up from one side, you know? That's also... Very significant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, This is a coalition between the Medes and the Persians, and the Persians were much stronger than the Medes, and so that's why it's raised up. The three ribs in its mouth represent the three kingdoms that this coalition had defeated, uh, those being Lydia, Egypt, and and Libya. Mm, And that they ruled from uh, 539 to 331 B.C., Exactly, precisely in the in the Bible, as uh, we've been told in the book of Daniel. Yeah, so those three kingdoms again, Nick, were Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. Mm. All right, we're coming to the next one, uh, which is represented as uh, the kingdom of Greece. What animal is here represented? Okay, this is a leopard. Um, after this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Mm. So we know that this, um, following um, Medo-Persia defeating Babylon, we know that uh, Alexander the Great came in and defeated the Medo-Persian Empire. And, um, uh, yeah, the four wings uh, represent the swiftness of this kingdom. 
um, the four heads represent the four regions that the uh, Alexander's Empire was finally divided up into. And that, that took some time, took a number of decades uh, after Alexander died, a very abrupt death mm. at a very young age. There was a period of, of um, uh, angling for, for control, but finally it came down to uh, four different commanders mm-hmm. controlling the empire. And they were Cassander, Lysimachus, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. Mm. And uh, who doesn't know about Alexander the Great, you know, how quickly he swept all over the world, you know, and he cried out those words that uh, there is nothing to conquer anymore, you know. And Julius Caesar, he wept at the speed that Alexander had conquered the world in. Yes, yes, that's, that's exactly right. And Greece, uh, also in history, we know that they ruled from 331 uh, up to 168 uh, B.C. Now, in 168 B.C., on June 22, at the Battle of Pydna, um, the Grecian Empire was defeated uh, by pagan Rome, by the Roman Empire. And now we are going to look at this one now. I think this, even uh, looking at that image which Nebuchadnezzar uh, dreamed of, you know, when you look at the uh, constituency of the, the image, the body, you know, this part of the legs or the longest part, how interesting is that? You know, uh, uh, yeah, very powerful because um, just like the legs were the longest part, the Roman Empire was the longest of these four. Ruling, ruling, ruling kingdoms. Power. That's absolutely right. Uh, Daniel 7 verse 7 um, gives us insights to this fourth empire. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So Nick, before we pull this one apart, notice um, you mentioned before the legs in Daniel chapter 2, representing the Roman Empire, those legs were a metal made of iron. Here we find in Daniel 7 verse 7 this monster type beast uh, has iron teeth. Yes, that's a very uh, the link it's uh, there you know to see from Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. But David, before we are going to talk a little bit more about this power I would just like to take a short break now and uh, I'm going to play a song called Take Time to Be Holy. Because we are dealing here with Antichrist, you know, but I like to just play this song and please stay with us. Don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM Drive Time.
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is David Butcher. And the big question for us is to understand who is the Antichrist. We are uh, going through, David, uh, to some of the passages in the Bible to identify some of the power from Daniel 7. And we coming uh, here to uh, Daniel chapter 7, 24. This is the fourth uh, kingdom depicted here. We've said that that kingdom is the Roman Empire. It um, defeated the Greek Empire. So it reigned from 168 BC through to 476 AD, mm. the longest of all the kingdoms that are mentioned here. And uh, when the last wave of the barbarian invasion had spent its forces, the face of Europe have been transformed. Independent kingdoms like Germanic mm. kingdoms have been established on the ruins of this Roman Empire. Now, just to talk a little bit about that, even today, if we are um, going to look on the map um, and uh, we mention some uh, names here, for example, if I'll say to you, Franks, what nation do you know is represented? Uh, France. France. You know, if I'll say the, the Visigoths, is that telling you something? Yeah, you'd say Spain. Spain. Or are we talking about uh, uh, Lombards? Yeah, the Italians. You see, even uh, well, I know I used to watch some soccer games and Italians are very strong on that. And yes. they were called like Lombards, you know, the Lombards. So what you're saying here, I guess, Nick, um, in Daniel chapter 7, this fourth beast, um, Daniel sees this in vision. It's a scary beast. It defeats everything in its past. It's vicious. It's got iron, iron teeth. Um, and Daniel then sees ten horns. Um, coming out of the head of this beast. Now, we know this beast, this fourth one, is pagan Rome, the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Then there are ten horns that grow out of that. And uh, the verse there, Daniel seven twenty four, that you're directing us to says this, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. So... Out of the Roman Empire, there will be ten kings or kingdoms that arise. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned um, some of those, the Franks, the Visigoths, the Lombards, etc. So essentially, uh, when the Roman Empire crumbled, pagan Rome crumbled, uh, and it took time for that to happen, a couple of hundred years, uh, until it eventually crumbled in full. But these Germanic tribes, these barbaric tribes, gradually encroached further and further on the Roman Empire and took land off it until um, they were even in Rome. Mm -hmm. And when the Roman Empire fell, in its place were these ten people groups, um, most of which now make up what we call modern Western Europe. Mm -hmm. and, and these ten horns are a parallel to, guess what? Come the on. ten toes in Daniel chapter 2, yes. which come after the legs of iron. Absolutely. And then we are dealing here with Rome, ten kingdoms, and Antichrist. Pretty much this very much linked together, is it? Yes, it is. And it, again, we get another terminology for the Antichrist in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8. It says, I was considering the horns. So these horns were very interesting to Daniel in his vision. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. Daniel 7 verse 8. So Daniel sees... This fourth beast, pagan Rome, he then sees ten horns come up on its head, or ten horns are on its head, which represent uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire. And then 
Amongst these ten horns, these ten people groups or kingdoms that would arise, there is a little horn that comes up after it. And this little horn is uh, vicious. It gets rid of three and it becomes the focus of really the rest of the chapter of Daniel 7. All right. Let's put together a puzzle, if we can, here, uh, David, and looking for some clues here now. Uh, you mentioned that uh, this uh, kingdom or this little worm arises from Western Europe. Yes. Very, very interesting here. This is the first clue to look at. The little horn has seen in, a, uh, in among the ten horns coming up from them since uh, the ten horns represented the division of the Roman Empire into the nations of the Western uh, Europe. A little horn will arise from somewhere within that uh, region. That's right. So you've got these ten kingdoms, these ten powers that that um, uh, arise after the fall of the Roman Empire. And then once they're established, a little horn comes up. So we know the first characteristic of this little horn power, this Antichrist power, is that it arises in Western Europe. That's our first clue. That's okay. our first clue. Let's uh, keep moving. The second one is... The second one is that it's a little kingdom. It's called a little horn. So um, we read that in Daniel 7 verse 8. And there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, amongst the other ten. So this Antichrist little horn power is little. It's a small kingdom, a small power, if you like. All right. And then um, this little horn, uh, we can identify the little power in Europe, even now, which is uh, it's quite powerfully. We will mention uh, about that maybe as we go. But, um, OK, let's look to the clue number three. David. So clue number three is that it arises after the other ten powers or ten tribes, ten horns in Europe were already established. Uh, and again, that's in Daniel 7.24, which we've looked at. Looked at. It says, The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. So this little horn antichrist power comes up after the ten that are already in existence. Mm, beautiful. Okay, we're moving uh, further. Clue number four. So, yeah, very interesting clue here. This little horn power, which is small, actually gets rid of and deposes three of the other horns or kingdoms that were in place. And that's Daniel 7 verse 8. It says, He saw a little horn coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. So this little horn is responsible for the destruction and demise of three of these ten uh, powers, kingdoms. And, and we are going to to look into that a little bit uh, more. Uh, if we look in history, we know that uh, even when the you know the Lombards moved you know down from uh, from north uh, or be more towards south, they came ac across a couple of uh, nations there: the Ostrogoths, yes, uh, the Heruls, and the Vandals. That's right. And essentially, these were the three horns or three kingdoms or powers that were destroyed or gotten rid of by this little horn power. And they were largely gotten rid of over um, doctrine, over religious doctrine. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a spiritual power. All right. Clue number five, David. So clue number five is that it is different from the other ten. So this little horn is different by nature than the other ten. Mm. Um, uh, the other ten uh, were all secular and political powers, whereas this little horn is unique. There is something different about this specific power. 
Right, because uh, as you just said, being different is not just politically. You know, it's here we are identifying now something to come closer to our uh, aim. You know, to identify Antichrist, to identify somebody who's uh, interesting in the spiritual things. Because Antichrist is not uh, necessarily uh, a political power against religion, as. We knew, uh, myself growing up in a yes. communist country, we thought that communism is the Antichrist because it's against uh, God. You know, we are not allowed to read Bibles or have those things. But actually, in the Bible, we are uh, going to see here that Antichrist comes from within, as we just mentioned. And I'd like to take you back to what I said at the beginning. Lucifer, the or Satan, the ultimate Antichrist that wanted to ascend above and beyond and have more power than God. And what we'll see is that this Antichrist power wants to do exactly the same thing. Puts itself in place of and instead of God and is a spiritual power. That's what makes it different. Mm-hmm. So, clue number six, Nick, if you want me to go there, is that um, this little horn power, this Antichrist power would have a man at its head who speaks for it. And I'll take you to Daniel 7 verse 8 again. It says, And there in this horn, this is a little horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth. So this is a man, uh, it's a power that has a man at, at its head, and this power also speaks pompous or blasphemous words. Now, none of the other uh, horns are described in anything like that or given this much detail. But this little horn, this specific power, has a man in its head who has absolute authority, it would seem, uh, and it speaks pompous or boastful words. And that's our next clue to uh, enlarge a little bit here, uh, David, uh, clue number seven. And probably we can look in John um, chapter 10 to just uh, identify some of these uh, characteristics. Yeah, so... This next clue is that this power delves into religion because it's speaking pompous words against God. So as you said, it's not just a communist power or a political power. It's a a player in the religious realm. So it speaks pompous words or blasphemous words. John chapter 10, verse 33. I will look that one up. Mm -hmm. Um, John 10. Verse 33 says, The Jews answered Jesus, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you being a man, make yourself God. What reference are they making to Jesus here, the leaders of the day? Um, Jesus was claiming to be God. Yes. They saw him as a mere man, and yet they were saying, you're blaspheming the scriptures, you're blaspheming God, because here you are, flesh and blood, claiming or taking the place of God. Yes, interesting enough here, but Jesus was uh, God. He and was that, God. That's the difference. And if we look even in Luke, tw- uh, Luke 5, verse 21, it says that, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to uh, reason, saying, who is this who speak blasphemies who can forgive sin but God alone but Jesus could forgive sin because he was God that's the difference a religious power that claims the the right to forgive sins and to act like uh, God on earth speaking pompous words keep in mind again this Mm. one pompous words against the most high and we know that there are uh, you know uh, powers uh, in the world today religious powers who will claim that that a man could need to go through the priesthood or to the priest to to confess and to be forgiven, so which is against the Bible. Absolutely. So where, where, 
when Jesus was accused of blasphemy, it was for trying to take the place of God, as we read in John 10, as you've said in Luke, but also in Mark 2, 7. They say, and why does this man blasphemes like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Mm. So blasphemy is taking the place of God and claiming the right or the prerogative to be able to forgive sins. Yes, yes. Um, and that's what this little horn, this antichrist power does and will do. And we're coming to clue number eight. So clue number eight, um, that this little horn power would be a persecuting power and it would persecute God's people. And we find that in Daniel 7.25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Now listen to this, Nick, clue number eight, and shall persecute the saints of the Most High. Mm. So it claims to be religious. It is religious. Um, It takes the prerogatives of God the power to forgive sin it claims it can do and the claim to be God and it persecutes God's people and we can only think of the dark ages and all the the things happening during that time and probably will be able to identify uh, furthermore uh, this power all right moving uh, on David clue number nine yes so clue number nine tells us that um, this is a obviously a persecuting power which was number eight but also that it is going to persecute the saints of God um, it says that uh, in Daniel 7:25 that it would persecute the saints of God and it would do so for a time times and half a time so clue number nine gives us the period of this of the reign of this persecution uh, period mm-hmm. and this reign of persecution would last for 1,260 years. Again, interpreting uh, uh, in the Bible prophecy how uh, a day... Uh, uh yeah, so in Bible prophecy, a day, um, a prophetic day represents a literal year. Mm. And um, there are various ways that this is expressed. Just like in mathematics, there are a number of ways you can often solve a mathematical uh, question or equation. So here we're told it would rain for 1,260 days, which we know in Bible prophecy is years. Uh, just like there are animal symbols, there are symbols when it comes to other elements such as this. Um, so you've got 1,260 uh, days. You've also got... Um, uh, other equations such as 42 months Mm -hmm. and we're working on the ancient calendar in these times which was a 30 day month so 42 months equates to 1260 days uh, and also a time a times and half a time Mm -hmm. and that's in Daniel 7 verse 25 a time is a year times is two years and a half a time so it's three and a half years or 1260 days based on a 30 day month and even to to give a passage from uh, the Bible, Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6, uh, gives us this interpretation about the uh, day-year uh, uh, yeah, interpretation. And it says, and when you have uh, completed them, lay again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid you one day for each year. You see, you find that in Ezekiel chapter 4 verse 6, just to get, give the reference. We have another interpretation also in Numbers, uh, which we are uh, uh, number 14 uh, gives the same, uh, the same explanation. 
We are coming closer to have a picture here, David. Yeah, and just on that, so there are three common ways to three different terminologies that are used a time times and half a time 1260 days or years there is 42 months which is three and a half years 1260 days and then there is also the 1260 days or years um the time times and half a time if we go to the book of daniel chapter 4 verse 25 and also in verse 32 nebuchadnezzar the king there goes crazy he goes wild and it says there that um he shall be driven from men he'll be with the beasts of the field they shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men um and that is a period of seven years so um, in some margins it says the times or time it represents a year in some mm. margins in Bible. So Nebuchadnezzar was like an animal for seven times or seven years. Yes. Uh, and as I said, um, we're coming closer to, to have that picture, to understand this. Uh, clue number 10. So the last of these clues is that this persecuting, this antichrist, this little horn power would attempt to change times and law. Now, this is a very specific uh, clue or characteristic. Again, in Daniel 7.25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. It's interesting that it doesn't say he will change times and law, but he will attempt Mm -hmm. to change, will claim to have changed. Because the law of God cannot be changed. It's uh, it's forever, particularly talking about here the moral law, because uh, that's what it refers to. Uh, Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law of God. Sin is the transgression of the law. It says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4, in one of the most intriguing clues of all, the little horn would intend to change times and law. In our search for the identity of the Antichrist, we need to discover which power will attempt to, after times, in connection with the law, to change the law of God and times. This is very important. That was the last clue uh, which we looked at um, tonight, uh, David. So, so, Nick, summing up those clues, those ten clues. Firstly, this little horn antichrist power rises from Western Europe after the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, it is a little kingdom. Its power would, um, it overcomes three political powers as it rises to prominence. It's different from the other ten powers. Um, it arises after those ten powers. Um, it would um, have a man at its head who speaks for it. It would speak blasphemies against God. Uh, it would persecute God's people. It would be in power for 1260 years. And this power, as we've just said, would attempt or endeavor to change times and law. Mm. That's very, very important to, to grasp. Let's take a short break, David, uh, just to uh, advertise a book which I would like people to put their hands on about the great controversy, the controversy uh, between good and evil, God and Satan. And if you like to understand more about what we are talking here, please just uh, ring our station, ring out the, the phone numbers we provided and get this book. I'll just play this ad for you right now. When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? 
Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. So, yeah. so Nick, we've, we've said that the Antichrist is someone that seeks to take the place of God or be alongside God or against God. And that book that you've just advertised, The Great Controversy, is essentially telling that story of uh, a power and powers that would seek to replace God, uh, with Satan obviously being the ultimate Antichrist, but also looking forward to the end-time Antichrist. Mm, absolutely. Powerful book. Yes. And, um, David, uh, time is gone almost. Uh, we just have time to wrap it up here and to just conclude with a few points. And um, our listeners will be able to continue to this journey tomorrow when we go for the second part uh, for uh, to identify who's the Antichrist. But what would you like to say as a conclusion today? Yes, yeah, so thank you, Nick. Uh, an Antichrist, as we've said, is a person or an entity that opposes or attempts to take the place of Jesus Christ. Uh, as we've seen through a, a brief and quick study of Daniel chapter 7, this power is a historical power that would come up after the the fall of the pagan Roman Empire and after that empire was essentially split into ten regions. It would come up after that. It would be a Christian power. It would blaspheme um, claiming to have the ability to forgive sins uh, and claiming to be God, if you like, which is a, a God prerogative to forgive sins. Um, uh, it's called the man of sin. It would persecute God's people. Uh, but the good news to this story is it ultimately will fail. Mm. It will ultimately fail. So the purpose of prophecy is to guide us and lead us with what is going to take place. And essentially, it's very powerful once it has already taken place to look back and see the fulfillment of that. Mm. So, Nick, I guess I would like to challenge people that... Um, uh, the Antichrist, and uh, when it's finally identified to Moronic, it can be very challenging for people to, because they're good Christian people. Uh, and if they're following an Antichrist or an Antichrist power, uh, I believe God wants them to follow what is truth, not something that's against him. And we're not saying here, David, that um, if people identify with a, a system, if you like, uh, which can be part of that system, that they are um, under the power of the Antichrist. That's correct. You, what what we, you say is correct. What we need to uh, allow the Bible to speak, to identify, uh, because even Jesus himself said to his people, he said, I came to my people and they received me not. Not. And also Jesus said to the teachers of the, the day, say, how well did you change the law of God in the favor of your own tradition? And my big question is, are we following maybe the tradition of man in some instances, or are we following the teachings of the Bible? And tradition is not a bad thing, but when tradition counters the Bible, that is a real negative, when it counters the Bible, when it's against it. So we, um, we need to make a decision when tradition takes the place of Scripture, and we need to follow the Word of God and follow Him and only. Mm. All right. Well, uh, I would like to ask uh, here a question to... Our listeners, are you willing to accept God's truth, even if it means you will need to make changes in your own life? David, 
would you be able to pray for us and for our listeners? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the clarity of Scripture that these prophecies given um, two and a half thousand years ago in the book of Daniel still have incredible relevance for us today as we live in these end times. Lord, you don't want anyone to be deceived by someone or some power that claims to be against Christ or to take the place of Christ. You want people to understand and know so they are not deceived. Father, I pray that you will be with each one of us. I pray that we will have the courage and the conviction to follow your word irrespective of where that may lead uh, because we know that when we follow you we have full peace and full happiness so be with our listeners Lord and thank you for your word in Jesus name Amen Amen. Hey David it looks uh, like our time is up for today thank you for joining uh, Nick Rita and David Butcher on uh, Drive Time BQ&A please join us tomorrow when we further explore the question who is the Antichrist If you like to have your question answered, you can text me on 0401-305-077 or email me at ioncrita at yahoo.com. That's I-O-N-C-R-E-T-A at yahoo.com. Also, you can visit our website and um, make a comment or uh, inquiries uh, at www.faithfm.com.au. Also, you can write an email if you like on faithfm info at faithfm.com.au. But just visit our website and you will be able to be directed to the right uh, places. And contact Faith FM to get a copy of that book, The Great Controversy. Absolutely. That's uh, very important. Thank you for reminding that, uh, David. Really looking forward to see you again. But until then, please remember. Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is in John 14, 27. If you've been troubled tonight by this message, just be encouraged by this uh, and uh, may God richly bless you. I will leave you with a song called I have this hope by Emmanuel Quartet. We have this hope that burns within our hearts. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We have this faith that Christ alone of His Word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing Hallelujah, Christ is King. We have this hope Come